many times we stand here and we talk about what a priority that you are for us. Many others on the outside looking in, Lord, might look like we'd be a fool to this world, Lord, might seem odd to this world that we don't love the shiny things, we don't love the glamour of the world, the things that drive so many people just plumb crazy, Lord, they mean anything to us, Lord, we found something that's that's worth more than life. We found something worth more than breath, worth more than our very next heartbeat, Lord. And that's you, Lord, that pearl of great price. Lord, as we as we look upon you and we find more and more, and we notice that the more that we surrender of ourselves, the more of you that we get to see. Lord, what a beautiful sight. What a lovely and amazing and adorable uh, person, attribute, God, that you are, Lord, that you'd be so wonderfully kind to your people that you would make yourself known to us ever so simply, ever so plainly, Lord, and to where not even a fool could err therein. Lord, how great you are. We come tonight with very humble and reverent hearts, Lord. We can very quickly testify, Lord, that your presence is here, that you are here, Lord, that and I believe it's here to minister your word, Lord, to break your bread of life. This is nothing that I can do. This is no talent of mine, no skill of mine, Lord, but you're the one that does this. You've helped us break up the fallow ground, Lord, and shake off the things of the world, those distractions and all those things Satan tries to do and throw at us so we might not slip into that dimension with you, Lord. But yet here we are bathed in your likeness, Lord, clothed in your, in your glory as we worship with all that's within us, Lord. And we've told you how good you are to us. We've thanked you for being our God. We've thanked you for being so wonderful. We've thanked you for saving us. We've thanked you for such amazing grace, Lord. We adore you tonight. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Let tonight be even greater than what Sunday was, Lord. Let it be greater and higher, Lord. Let our hearts burn within our chest tonight, greater than we've ever noticed, that we've ever seen, Lord. Make us more like you. We surrender all that we are. Satan, I come against you tonight. I rebuke you and I bind you in the most powerful name you have ever heard that scares you to death just by us breathing it, that lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no place. You're not welcome. You're defeated. And this word guarantees it. Lord Jesus, bless my brother and sister tonight. Bless all those that might watch the recording, Lord. Let their hearts burn wherever they might be. Whether it's live, whether it's a day from now or a year from now. Let their hearts and their, their, their persons be able to so very quickly be able to testify like us here. That you have anointed this word. Lord, but each heart you deal individually and very personally, Lord, and you know what each one of us needs. Feel the discerner of the thoughts and intents of heart and going down deeper than any bone or marrow, Lord. Past the atoms, past the cell, Lord, you are still God alone and we love you and your precious Amen. 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 <coughs> Praise the Lord. God bless you while you're standing. Let's um let's turn to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 
you've enjoyed your experience with plenty of tests, plenty of trials, plenty of heat, plenty of fire, but more than plenty of God. More than enough. He is more than enough than anything. Hosea chapter 11. Now the book of Hosea is a book of redemption. It's, it, 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 you can see what God does through there. And, and you come to him with all your baggage and your scars and your, your stain of sin and condemnation of the world. And you present what you've got to him. And you think that you're not worthy. And you think that he would never pick you. And to answer the fact, you never will be worthy. Worthy one took our place, and he said, I love you, I betrothed you unto me, I call you mine. This is not the day of Baali, this is the day of Ishi, that he is our husband. This husband, there, there's a reason why that great white throne judgment, those come up to him on the left hand, and they depart from me, I don't even know you. Then he turns on the right, he said, I do know you, and that is a very intimate and it's not just we sang that earlier to I know the master of the wind, and that's a wonderful thing, but does the master of the wind know you? See, it's all about communion. It's all about fellowship. Hosea chapter 11, verse 10. Hosea chapter 11, verse 10. They shall walk after the Lord. They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the tremble, the children shall tremble from the west. You may see it tonight. They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. And when he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. Leave that quote up for a little bit, Charity. Now, no doubt as we read this verse to you, as you read the Bible, and you see that it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God in Genesis as he is in Exodus and Lamentations and Ecclesiastes and Hosea and Song of Solomon and Malachi and Zechariah and Zephaniah and Hosea, Matthew, Mark. He's the same God through every single which one. And as we shared with you last Wednesday, God's threefold purpose for his, let's just call the wife, God's threefold purpose for his that he might re, re, re be able to uh, make himself known to you, reveal your, redeem your relationship with him, that you might be able to handle that revelation. And he, the prophet said in many times that, that this one that's so great and he's so powerful and he's so mighty that truly feels all billions and trillions of light space. That there's no, you can't go to Saturn right now. You can't get on a, a spaceship and travel to Saturn. You can't travel to other galaxies. You can't travel backwards in time, forwards in time, now in time. There's no place you can't go that he doesn't feel. He is God and he's God alone. And, and Satan's attack always comes at you trying to shrink the size of your God down. He tries to make him be real small to you. But as we say to you many times, you're serving a creator God. He is not a creator. You are a creator. He is the creator. There's a big difference. He, he's where the buck stops. He's the, the original creator. He's the original. He's the original everything. From him is where all creation comes from. That's your husband. That's your God. Now, your enemy is always trying to shrink it down to be, if he can't get God minimalized in your mind, if he can't get God minimalized in your heart, in your imagination, in your reasonings, in your understanding, then what he'll do is he'll minimalize your position in Christ. 
He'll make you seem, yes, you're not worthy. Yes, you don't deserve that. No, he didn't call you. No, he didn't foreordain you. No, he didn't elect you. No, he didn't choose you. No, he didn't predestinate you. This is Satan's attack. Yes, if he'll let you believe God is God, but you're not you. See, if God is God, then you are God's. If God is God, then you are God's. You've been predestinated, foreknown, elected, chosen before the foundation of the world to be his wife. And there's nothing that lying, con man, bluffer can do to change that. Not one thing. Not one thing whatsoever. Now, tonight would be part nine of changing our atoms. And I've got a few things that I'd like to finish. We didn't get completely wrapped up with on Sunday in that rainbow covenant. Uh, it, we, we got broke into that Urimathamum and, and what that light would be. And I've got just a little bit more to finish upon that. And then we'll be able to, before the service is over, to move into this voice. This voice. Still voice that calls you out and you'll find that in Ezekiel you'll find that in Revelations 10 you'll find the voice that calls you that tells that's sitting there whispering into Ezekiel's ear can these bones live can these bones live can they be made alive can they be redeemed can they be restored can they be turned back into everything that Adam lost that voice says yes that voice says yes and as we as we start right here in Hosea <clears throat> same God if we were to jump over to Amos and it talks about how he goes around, how that he is roared, that, that who can but fear, who is prophesied, and the lion of the tribe of Judah. And again, backwards and forwards, revelations to Amos, to here we are in Hosea. He goes, uh, he, he roars, and he comes out, and he's God alone, and, and there's none like him. Now, in your walk with the Lord, and of course, I love this because as you start dwelling on this one scripture, your mind is reminded of many other scriptures that has very similar phrasing or points or prophecies in it, such as, let's jump back to Genesis, and it talks about your brother Enoch. He was not, for he walked with God. Now, here we find Hosea, they shall walk after the Lord. Again, all scripture speaks of the groom. Speaks of the bride. If you can't find the Lord Jesus Christ on every page, you got to go back and read it again. And that, that, that works for his intent, his in purpose. If you can't go back and find it on every page because every scripture has a compound meaning and a compound understanding. Yes, God is so prophetic and he's so, uh, you can't, we talked earlier about him filling all billions and trillions of light space. Can you imagine trying to condense him down into one book? Just by what a thousand pages. I, I had a Bible years ago that had less than a thousand pages. I haven't looked how many of this one's got. This one's got probably 1550 or so like that. Can you imagine trying to condense him down into that? Yet somehow he allowed a condensation to happen, a condensing to happen that he might be able to put it on a page. That way when a heart that understands with eyes of understanding and ears that hear and a life and a body and a will that will do with the revelation says that's not all it's saying. I'm not just talking about the Redeemer stand there talking to Hosea, prophesy this, go do this, go do this, go do this. But as, as God the prophet, the word that knows the thoughts and in the heart, whether it was 3,000 years ago, wait, 2,800 years ago, or, or right now, the same God that spoke to our brother Hosea then, 2,800 years ago, is the same God that saw you standing here tonight. It knew what kind of tests, troubles, trials, fires you walked in today as he's breathing upon his prophet's ears. This is God now. 
Now, this is God. See, it's so easy. Satan, again, wants to turn this into a history book. This is not a history book. It tells you over and over and over and over and over that it's been breathed upon by a living God. That makes it a living word. That makes it a living understanding. Makes it a living revelation. It doesn't leave it trapped on the pages 2,800 years ago. It means that you speak tonight. It'll help you in your test that you went through today and tomorrow. Not reading a newspaper. We're not reading an old history book. We're reading something that's alive. Again, I'll quote to you again, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In sun-dry times and divers' matters, God spoke to his prophets. He spoke to them. He breathed upon them. He, he revealed himself to them. He told them, write this, say this, let this be known, record this. And then that probably, I can only imagine, uh, as they're writing it down, this makes no sense to me. No sense to me how that chariots can go faster than lightning. Can, that they can move so fast with lights like lightning. But I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Don't worry. It's several, several years from now, but it's still me speaking. Amen. Again, spiritual amnesia. The best way to do it is walk you through someplace you've been before. If you were in him before the foundation of the world, then this was in you then as well because this was in him before the foundation of the world. So if you was in him, then this is in you. That's why this seems so familiar to you. As you walk through different pages of the Bible, and, and a lot of times it, appears, it, it depends on your attitude in that moment. It depends on your atmosphere in that moment. It depends on, a lot of times, where you're at in your walk with the Lord. And, and each one of us, again, all varying, differing steps of faith and where we're at right now, uh, different things that mean so much to you right now didn't mean as much to you a month ago, didn't mean as much to you three years ago, but it's being made alive. It's not just uh, as I recite this phrase and verse and to you, and you're like, okay, now we all recite and quote the same thing, and, and it's just... It's just literary memory and doesn't mean nothing. No, no, no. As you're reading through it, as you're seeing those words, you get this sinking, eerie feeling that someone's talking to you. But it's not eerie. It might seem mysterious. Uh, the word spooky can be used for things like that just because that word is used to kind of shake you out of your reverie, trying to shake you out of your, your normalcy. It brings you back to yourself. Well, you know, that's just too fantastic. It's too far-fetched. It's just too um, uh, disillusional that, that I could ever be found in that book, that he could have ever spoke these things about me hundreds of years apart, and he had specifically my name in mind. Your name in mind. They shall walk. They shall walk. They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. Again, Hosea had no clue about America. He had no clue about Tucson, Phoenix, Flagstaff. He had no clue about the west coast. He had no clue. The scripture maybe he had read where it said that it shall come from the east and go to the west. That, it's, that the, 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 the son of man comes as, uh, as the rising of the sun. As it rises in the east and it sets in the west. That's God's purpose. You'll notice that it started in Jerusalem. It started in Palestine and moved all the way west as far as it can go before it starts back over into Palestine. Now it's got to go back the way it come. It's a beautiful thing, the, the order and the process of the rapture. As wave after wave after wave of glory strikes this earth, 
I don't mean this earth. I mean this earth. Strikes this earth and his will is brought purposed in me. They shall tremble from the west. Again, Hosea didn't know your address. He didn't know you lived west of him. He didn't know that then, but God did. God knew your exact address all those years ago. He knew your response to the word. He knew your response to him. How many times has he is, your, is the one that loves you, put his arm around you, and you might have jumped a little bit? You weren't ready to give him all. We said that question on Sunday, I think it was, if, if God told you that of who you are, the only way you could serve him is if he tore, you had to tear you completely back down. If he had to tear you back down to the potter's wheel, to the drawing board, if he had to completely smash you back down so that he could walk in you and have his purpose, what would your response be? God is going to hurt, but blessed be your name. Have your will, Lord. If that's what it requires. And I say that because as we get older, certain thoughts, and, and the devil loves the thoughts. He turns them into doctrines, and doctrines will pull you away from Christ. If it's not Christ, if it's contrary, he'll take a thought that'll be planted in you at an early age, and the older you get, the longer you go, it becomes cemented in your psyche, in your memory, in your reasoning, and everything else you look at comes through that thought. But that's why the Bible says you must bring every thought captive, every thought captive to the Holy Ghost, every thought must be brought captive. If, and God in his mercy, you'll, you'll testify of this, that he's been bringing things to your mind that you didn't remember from years ago. You thought you were then forgotten about it. And he brought it to your mind so he doesn't forget. He knows exactly what's in you tonight that's, that's in you that puts it between you and him. But he's got grace for us. He got grace for us. And, and there's certain things that might have been put in wrong that have been needed to get you where you are right now. I think about temporary, <coughs> temporary work in building a building. Uh, <coughs> certain times, is, well, for example, we're building a building right now, and we've got a lot of kickers and, and struts and different things placed all over trying to kick it all up to get it go straight to make sure it stays square. They're not permanent, but they're temporary struts, temporary support that's given us to help us to be able to handle the windy days that we have to make sure it doesn't lean out of level or out of straight or any of those things like that, but they're going to come off. They will be taken off by the ones that's building it. But they were there for a purpose. They're not, they're not intended. I mean, they're not meant for the finished process. No one wants to walk through their building and be a brace and you're trying to you know, duck around the brace. Nobody wants that. But it was necessary to keep it standing to a certain point. We each one have different things in our lives that, that, that aren't perfect, but it was a permissive thing that was allowed for you to survive to this point right now because the perfector has come to make you perfect. The perfector has come to make you perfect. And I'm not just talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the lion of the tribe of Judah who has stepped forward and took the book, opened the seals, revealed himself to you, not just her, but to you, so that now you say, my bridegroom in plain view. My bridegroom. My bridegroom. What a mighty God. Jump back with me over to Exodus, uh, Exodus 28. Let's finish that up real quick on that rainbow covenant. And it's amazing. I, 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 I told you here recently that as we come through, uh, I think it was um, either a week ago Wednesday or a week ago Sunday, 
that I knew that the Lord had this on the, the way that he wanted to go and I was worried that in the scriptures that he had had me reading that, that, that I was supposed to have started on this voice that day and I was worried that I'd made a mistake. All the way through the service, I was thinking, my goodness, I messed up. I should have this, should have been this, it should have been this. And as it comes down to very close of the service, I see what he was doing. And I said, Lord, you got it all in control. And so then I thought we'd start Wednesday. It wasn't yet for that. He had a few more things to open up, had a few more things to open up. And it's, and it's, it's, it's so amazing to me. And, and most of us, these aren't things we've never heard before. These are not scriptures we've ever read before because most of us we have. It's nothing, nothing new. Peter would say, I'm just going to stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. And like I said, different scriptures don't mean, didn't mean as much to you 10 years ago as it does right now. Those scriptures have been made more alive to you as he has become more real to you. In this Urim of Thummim, and we walked through as quickly as I could the other day to, to work through all of those stones to get to where, excuse me, all that, that they would produce. And I guess let's pick back up just there in 28 as we come to that curious girdle. They shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof under the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue that it may be above the curious girdle of the ephod that the breastplate be not loosed be not loosed from the ephod and Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment. See, this is this right here is Revelation 10.1 right here. Okay, so let me break this a little more simple to you. We have a human man standing on earth that's been redeemed by blood. We have a human man that was created in sin, that was, that was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, not created to be that way, but through the fall, that's what he was, standing there, uh, temporarily redeemed to do this service. He had a human man standing there that had similar faults, similar flaws, things that he struggled with. When he got up in the morning, Satan's attacking him. When he gets to lunchtime, Satan's attacking him. When he lays down at night, Satan's attacking him. But God let this man be, a, this man be a type of Revelations 10.1, because Revelation 10.1, Daniel 7, all those Luke 17.30, Malachi 4 prophesies about the judge coming forth. The lion taking the book and stepping forth as the great judge. As the great judge. Now, as Aaron has the, he, he, he'll bear the names of the children of Israel. Now, again, just to make this as simple and as plain as can be, Aaron was a Hebrew he was considered Jewish. He was of Israel. He was of the tribe of Levi. Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. Aaron married a woman that was of the tribe of Judah. Now you have, in this moment, again, trying to make this, I know I've said a lot, to try to make it as clear and plain as it can be. You have a, a priest king. You have a priest king. Aaron being a priest king. That's not what was prophesied. It was prophesied to be king priest. But in permissiveness, in human flesh, in this Old Testament representation of the mighty judge stepping forth, you have Aaron stepping forth, and just like the judge that you've sold all out to, he's got all of your names written in him. See, this man... He had just the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, of his people. This earthly man steps forward and would go into that Shekinah glory with just the, the names of the 12 tribes and their descendants in him. When your judge stepped forward, your name was inscribed on the palm of his hand. 
Do you see the correlation between the two thoughts? Aaron steps forward. He shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. Now, we've read Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 10 to you so much in the last so many months, and, and I'm going to plumb wear it out till you can quote it by heart. When he stepped forward in our day, he come clothed. He was girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, that would be in the chest. He's got the breastplate of judgment on. He steps forward as the judge. And as the, as the again, we don't have the picture of the clown. Uh, we're going to get a picture of the clown. That wig, that wig that was taken, a picture of February 28th, 1963 over Flagstaff, Arizona, that wig was a type of Revelations 10.1. It was, he was, he had a wig around his head and he stepped forward as judge. You find a very similar um, use of this in British law. They put wigs on as they stepped forward as a judge. Where do you think they got that idea from? Some British man is saying, let's think of something. Oh, let's do this. And no, no, no. Where do you think they got that idea from? Some would say like this, nothing new is under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Oh, he just popped in his idea, his, his idea thinker. Isaiah, no, nothing new. So they, they take that from your God, your king, your judge when he steps forward. He has got, he's, he's got that wig on. He's got that breastplate on. He's got your names inscribed in the palms of his hand. And, 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 and Aaron, as he steps forward, he said that he's got the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. Now, again, all of these things paint such a beautiful picture of the intent and purpose of God. This is not about his waist. He's not wearing a, uh, a, a waist plate of judgment. He's not a man. He's not, he's not moved by you know, physical passions and, and things like that. He's not, he's not run by the, the passion of the, the hormones of his body. It's not nothing filial whatsoever. There's nothing filial about God's love for you. Now, we would automatically base our thoughts to a sexual point when you think about filial. But filial love is not just a sexual desire. Filial love, also, when, when you do something to make me mad, I might stop loving you. In a filial capacity. A human fleshly. You make me mad. You offend me. I offend you. And the love might go away. In an filial capacity. It's not set there to paint the picture of God's purpose. It's set to be over his heart. Again, the prophet's words will ring in your ears. Satan chose the mind. God chose the heart. The greatest battleground exists in the mind. So God didn't want your mind. He wanted your heart. He didn't want the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He wanted the tree of life. That tree of life is, is because your mind can be changed as the wind blows, as your ideas pop in. You hear something else, your mind changes, your mind changes, your mind changes, but your heart is a little bit more steady. Your heart is a little bit more particular. Your heart holds things when it finds something good, and it digs down deep, and it's got a place to anchor where it can't just go off on a whim. So it's designed to be as a breastplate covering that point. God's purpose. The judge loves me. Okay. Let's say it like this. Say you've, um, say you made a mistake on something. I, I, I word it like that because the prophet said that Satan tricked you into it. 
you never did it to start with. Say you made a mistake on something and you were brought before court and whatever it was, absolutely whatever it was, murder, theft, you, you know, my, my, whatever it might be, and you're brought before the judge and you know that the sentence, when it's carried out, will be capital punishment. It'll be death. Your life is over. It's done. One mistake, one mistake you made and it's done. And you know that when you come before that judge that, that, that this is what it's going to be. You're done. You're over. It's over. No different than the woman that they brought out that was caught in adultery. They caught her in adultery, and instead of bringing both the man and the woman, which the law of Moses dictates, they only brought the woman. And they told Jesus, here, you get to cast the first stone. She's worthy of death according to Moses' law. Smash her head in. Jesus didn't say a word. He just stooped over and started writing in the sand. And then he makes a statement. He said, he who without sin cast the first stone. He looks up a few minutes later. No one else is there. She was guilty, but no one else. Was they all realize we are also guilty. So when you walk into this courtroom, you walk in for sentencing. You walk in for your punishment to be carried out. And who is sitting there as the throne? Who is sitting in the judgment seat? But the one that loves you the most. And he ain't just a judge. He ain't just a judge. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. See, we started in Hosea for a reason. Hosea was told by the Spirit of God to take a prostitute, a prostitute, and make her his wife, and then have, was it, three children with her. You will take her, and you take her to wife, and she'll be your wife, and you start a family with her. And according to the law, this was a big no-no. You didn't do that, but God was showing that he, he's a redeemer, he's a restorer, that he can buy you back from the auction block. Yes, I'm guilty of all these things. Yes, I carry a stain. I'll never forget, but he still loves me. Amen. I'm not talking about something dirty. It's all confessed. It's all made right. There's not one thing that's not made right. It's all clean and clear under the blood, but he still loves me. He'll bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment. Oh, with in unto when he goeth in unto again every word means something when he Aaron goeth in unto goes into that secret place he goes into that holy of holies he steps in behind that veil of badger skins See, in those days, uh, for those who need just a refresher course, they, would, they built that holy. It was all wrapped up with badger skins, and that was what it was all done. Now, the outer court and the inner court, all of those things weren't done with badger skins. It was the inner court that was done with badger skins. Now, a badger is the most fiercest. It's one of the most fiercest animals on the planet. A human is one of the most fiercest animals on the planet. The most high, the most holy, the most precious showed you that I will make my home in you. You won't stay a badger. Stay some filthy human. You won't stay some X, Y, Z. He can clean it up so much that he can live in. So when Aaron would go in unto, he'd walk in, in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. <clears throat> and thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart. The Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart. Is where it's placed at. That's where the Holy Ghost resides. 
It's not in your head. It's in your heart. That's where the Lord Jesus resides is in your heart. And now you have an Old Testament representation. You have an old, an older, um, a, a, a more natural way that they had to get an answer from God. Again, under the blood of bulls and goats. And again, I know you know this. I'm just trying to cover all this on so you understand where we're going. <clears throat> Thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. Aaron's job was to walk into a place that if he did one thing wrong, that he would be struck dead and thought wrong that he'd be struck dead and his job was to carry the needs of the people before the Lord not just walk up here I just come to drop that off here's that one it says it twice continually why are you here Aaron my brother has a need my sister has a need I'm, I'm here to bear one another's burdens. I'm here to build them up. I'm here to, to open up my, uh, I won't shut up my bowels of compassion. I'll open up my bowels of compassion and I'll stand for them. I'll stand in the gap for them. Lord, don't kill them. Don't take their life. Lord, have mercy on them. I'll stand for them. And he's standing there with that over his heart because that love of God has been shed abroad in his heart. And he's standing there in that Old Testament representation of what you are today. I, I, I said this hopefully Sunday till I wore you out on it. This was once a year that one man can walk into that place. Once a year. See, this is where you're supposed to be living. Not just one man, but living. <clears throat> well, I, I prayed for my brother or my sister years ago or, or you know, months ago, and I ain't really done it much since then. He said, it shall be upon Aaron's heart. When he goeth in before the Lord, and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the Lord of Israel, the children, judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually, and thou shalt make the robe of the ephod of all blue. There shall be an hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof it shall have a binding of woven work round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of a haberjohn, and that it might be not rent, that it be a haberjohn. Haber, how do you call that? It's, it's a hebridon. No, it's, mm, I can't get the word right. It's said that a Hebridon couldn't rip it, but it, it's meant to be for, it, it's another word similar. That. I, I apologize. I can't, I don't remember that, what that word was. That insert word here, that be not rent. Now, again, I'll jump forward just a minute. You'll remember Caiaphasus as he makes that judgment of Christ. And as he's done past his, um, uh, he, uh, he's got Christ before him. And, and he told him, he asked him his question. And he kept doing this and asking this and asking this. And each time the Lord Jesus wouldn't open his word. And finally, he asked him, he said, you've got to answer us. And he said, are you the son of God? He said, thou sayest. And he got so overcome in his mind. And you just read this. He's got the same kind of garment on. He grabs it and rips it. He grabs it and rips it. For those who knit and, and different things like that, we're not just talking about a certain few. This is where that, 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 that Hebridon is someone that's literally demonically possessed, super strong, cannot grab it and rip it. That's how thickly woven that garment was. Yet Caiaphasus was able to grab it and rip it. 
And beneath upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet round about the hem thereof, and the bells of gold between them round about. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. It shall be upon Aaron to minister, and his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. This is what I just referenced. They've got the bells sewed into his garment, so you hear him as he jingles, and if you hear him stop jingling, you know something went terribly wrong. Upon Aaron to minister, his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, when he cometh out, and when he cometh out, that he die not. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. Now, I don't have time to jump into Zechariah chapter 14, but it's talking about the millennium. And it's talking about the heathen nations and all the, 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 the sacrifice and the, the feast of the tabernacles being brought forward. And if you don't bring the feast of the tabernacles, even heathen nations, then you have a famine. Then you have all these different things until you, there's just no more reason why you won't bring sacrifice to the Lord in that millennial reign. But then you have also right here a very similar prefigure of it, holiness unto the Lord in that signet. It, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Holiness like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. Thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. It shall be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts and it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen thou shalt make the mitre of fine linen thou shalt make the girdle of needlework and for Aaron's son thou shalt make coats thou shalt make for them girdles bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty for glory and for beauty I want to skip down to verse 29 chapter 29 verse 1 and this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, and cakes unleavened, tempered with oil, wafers unleavened, anointed with oil, of wheat and flour shalt thou make them. Thou shalt put them into one basket, and bring them in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons... Thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Thou shalt wash them with water. Wash them with water. All the way back to the first destruction. The sacrifice given. The washing of the planet with the water. The covenant that was given there in the same light. Aaron and his sons shalt thou bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shalt wash them with water. Thou shalt take the garments, put upon Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod. Thou shalt put the mitre upon his head and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Then thou shalt take the anointing oil, pour it upon his head and anoint him. Thou shalt bring his sons and put coats upon them. Thou shalt gird them with girdles. Aaron and his sons put the bonnets on them and the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statue, thou shalt consecrate, and thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. You realize that was left up to the people. The people to consecrate Aaron and his sons. This isn't angels are doing this. This isn't Moses doing this. This isn't uh, you know, anybody else but the people that was there to consecrate the priesthood, consecrate the priest, the prophet, the, the pastor. And thou shalt call 
to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation. Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. Thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord by the door, by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Thou shalt take of the blood of the bullock, put it upon the horns of the altar with thy finger, pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. Thou shalt take all the fat, cover the inwards. It's a lot. My purpose of it being, they would take that blood and put it there for the offering. They would take it. And in one part, it's even as a sprinkling. It's even as a red heifer. It's meant to be for the sins of the people, for that covenant, for that promise, for redemption. And anytime you have redemption, you must also have restoration. Again, a promise. Redemption has two parts, coming out of and going into. So you can say it like this. Let's call it not just redemption having two parts, but you have one part redemption, second part's restoration. Because if you're coming out of and going into, you're not going into something similar. You're not leaving uh, whatever sin that that blood was needed for. You're not going back into a life of sin. What this type here was only done for yearly sacrifice. But the one under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who saved you and redeemed you, this wasn't so that you might go back in. Well, let's say it like this. I used to be a thief. I used to be a liar. I used to talk about my brother and sister. I used to steal things. I used to uh, X, Y, Z, whatever it was. And then God come in and God redeemed me and forgave me and made me so clean and now I'm back to being a thief and a liar and talk to my brother and sister you got to come out of that otherwise I didn't do nothing otherwise God wasted his time on you so as this process has been done it's not left unto death it's not meant to leave you in what you were God didn't save your life to let you stay as you are God didn't spare you I didn't give you another chance to let you go back to what you were. No, a change must be made right now. You cannot walk back into that thing. You must walk into Christ. And as you leave redemption, you walk right into restoration. But you don't understand. You just don't understand. No, 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 no. This is what it always was, and this is what it always will be. No, no, no. I- I'm talking about a redeemer, and I'm talking about a restorer. I don't care what your family looks like. I don't care what your friends look like. I don't care what every medical book on the planet looks like. I'm telling you, regardless of that sinful condition that you were in, and then not just sin as being unbelief or mistakes or transgressions or iniquities you made, but whatever sin did to your body and left you in that place and, and so bound you down by the things of this world as you leave that place that you was in you come through the redeemer he washes it all off of you and now you also find that he's a restorer and it's as though you never done to start with you know jesus gives that parable about um a man that would have a splinter in his eye versus a man that have a beam in his eye you go to your neighbor hey you got a little speck right there let me get that speck all the while you got a four by four sticking out of your eye let me get that little speck for you it talks about your eye offending you. This is where Satan likes to work on the eyes. He likes to work on the eyes of a man and a woman, whether it be through lust, whether it be through jealousy, whether it be through ego, any of those things like that. He likes to see it through your eyes, trying to, trying to get you through, trapped through your eyes. And Jesus would make that statement that if your eyes offend you, he said it's better that you pluck it out. That way you get to go to heaven with one eye than walk right into hell with two eyes. <coughs> Again, just a natural uh, way that God's meant to grab you and shake you a little bit. No, I can do what I want. I can see what I want. I can look at what I want. You can't. Not if he redeemed you. 
Not if he come out from behind the badger skins and saved and redeemed your soul. You cannot do what you want. You can never go back to what you were. I, I love that when Brother Bram got to go beyond the curtain of time, he says his testimony was that I can never be the same William Branham ever again. I've seen the fullness. I've seen the promise. I've seen that, that, that place where I'm going. I can never be the same person I was again. Can never be. And as that light that would, that would pass through, that Holy Ghost would come through and shine through this Urim Thumb, it would be the people would have their request. They would bring their, their need before them, and it would shine upon that, and depending on how it glowed would be whether or not they got their answer or which way it would go or did they even get their answer at all. You understand it was God using that in that respect, in that uh, covenant, in that dispensation. Now, I heard a brother preach on this just about, I think, uh, end of the year. Brother Ronnie Long was preaching on that there, Brother Tim's. And something that I, I love so much, and he said that in our prophet's day, in, in our prophet, that, you know, the man on the left being the prophet of our day, that, that, that God had spoke to that man, lift the ear, just like he did Moses. And he would tell him over and over, your name is this. You were born this day. You live in this street. And you're wearing this clothes. And all the things and and never one time fail never one time fail tell them things that they never would have told anybody whatsoever tell them things that even doctors had conversations over them while they were in um you know just knocked out from whatever drugs it was and the person well i don't know if that's true or not because i was knocked out with the drugs but these two doctors were talking he said i can see one doctor talk to another guy about certain things you want you won't get no better but that's okay the lord jesus heard it too it's a beautiful thing that today's the anniversary. Today the anniversary? Today's the anniversary. Today's the 8th, right? Today's the anniversary of Congressman Upshaw getting us healed from his legs. Today it is. Spent 66 years on crutches. 66 years on crutches. God blessed him the last two years or three years of his life he could walk. 66 years. Broke him as a teenager. Broke his back as a teenager. God restored him. And again, Medical science, nothing can be done for you. Uh, anybody you talk to, you've been paralyzed 66 years. It's never getting no better. But God is a restorer. And we have all of these, uh, these evidences of proof to show you that this is what he does. This is how he operates. This is his will, his purpose, his attribute as a healer, as a redeemer, as a restorer. Your liar, uh, your, your con man lying bluff guy that's always trying to tell you God don't do that. He won't do that. He won't do that. But I can prove to you all day long right here that he does. So, and I say it like this because I've had many times something's happened to me, got hurt, got damaged, something was wrong, and Satan told me it's never going to get no better. This is the way you'll be to the day you die. Never get no better. And in my pain, I couldn't argue with him. In my pain, I've had my back hurt so bad before I could barely walk. Satan told you it will be this way to the day you die. And many other things that he's lied about that. But it's completely opposite of what this says completely opposite the restorer will keep his promise absolutely keep his promise due to time i'll stop right there i'll stop right there on that part now now we pick up the voice the voice and there'll be some bleed over because god keeps his promise now which way ezekiel 37 Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 37 with me. Ezekiel 
Lord, have your way. <clears throat> As we spent time a couple Sundays ago, there in Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10, you have these prophecies that was given to our brother Ezekiel. This wasn't just a... Um, this wasn't just someone else, you know, um, he's your brother, he's the son of God, so that makes him your brother, you're a son daughter of God, he's actually your brother, and this is God, and, and I like to say it like that, I always like to, to remind you of that, that way you know there's nothing special about him, he was just used by God, but this is still just your brother that was made of human flesh, it was picked by God. Now, as God is breathing these things upon him and God is showing him things of the future, God has differing aspects of each statement, each prophecy, each, each description as it comes out. And we spent a lot of time a couple Sundays ago about the wheels and about the fire and about the, the four living creatures and about the beasts that come forth. Now, and even in that, you see God uh, so molding, or, or, or let's say it like this, even in that, you see that he's prepared for himself a bride without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or any such thing. There's no other way to say that. When it's all said and done, you no longer see the wheels, you see one hand, and that's his hand, prepared for himself a bride without spot, blemish, wrinkle, or any such thing. So, as we carry on now, the chapter 37, verse 1, and this is a very familiar scripture. This would be a very beautiful type of what God will do in your life. I don't just mean of you leaving this realm, this body, and stepping into that rapture glorified combined body, theophany, uh, glorified body condition. I mean, it's done in your walk to the Lord even right now. Even in your walk to the Lord. You know, that in a, in a human, as a human, if your spirit's not been quickened by the Holy Ghost, if your spirit has not been made alive by Him, that it doesn't take very long through different offenses and scars and um, uh, just things that come along that you get real not nice, you're hurt, you carry the, 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 the mark of those things, uh, you get real stony, uh, you don't, you, it's easy to get, um, um, what's what I'm looking for, aggressive, it's easy to become bitter, it's easy to become uh, narcissistic. It's easy to become, uh, say things that's not positive and it's not life. Now, we're everyone guilty of this. Has anybody said anything negative ever in their life? Anybody, everybody should raise your hands. We're all guilty. We've said something negative in our life. Now, that is death. That's speaking death. Now, even into the silly little things we say that we're told to, to watch the things that come from the doorpost of our lips, that we're called to only speak life. And, and in that, that you find that as you've dried up and you've had those scars, that all a sticker is, all a sticker is, a thorn, is something that the water's left it, that the moisture's left it, that, that it's been just dried up and made stiff through elements of the world. And as a human, you can way you can get to be real thorny you can be real sticker like you can be real caustic you can be real aggressive and, and and when you go to speak love doesn't come out generally the opposite of love comes out we're each one guilty but we're also taught how to not be that way and it's completely contrary completely opposite of your first uh, knee-jerk reflex reaction well but you but but mm. Someone says something to you. Someone even comes to you. The Bible talks about if you rebuke or approve a wise man, he'll love you. If you rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. You ever had somebody come up and try to give you advice on something, and your first response was, who do you think you are? You think you're any better than me? We're each one guilty. I, I doubt there's one person in this room that ain't guilty of that. 
that the, this response should have been, well, let me, let me look, okay? If, if I, I'm willing to look. I'm willing to learn. If that would help me, I'll use it. But our first response was, you ain't no better. You ain't no right. I remember things you've done. I remember things you said. And that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. That's not from a place of life. That's from a chain of death. It's from a chain of death. And you being who you are and you being whose you are, the things that come out of your mouth are much more important than someone who is not you. Now, if you want to identify as a lot, if you want to identify as a 30-fold, if you want to identify as anything, then even just the lowest part of the seed of God, if they're in that economy of God, then, then you're fine. You can speak the way you want to. But as a Christian, you're to be Christ-like. You can't say, well, I go to this church, I'm a Christian. You can't say, I believe this, I'm a Christian. None of those things matter. All that matters to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. All that matters is to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. This is the fruit of the, of the Christ living inside you, the anointing. The Christ is the Messiah, is the anointed one. That's what the Christ means. It's the anointing. It's the, the life of God moving upon you. Just like he did the flesh of the Lord Jesus, he does the same thing on your flesh. He moves and quickens and breathes you alive and puts you where you belong, that heavenly place, which is the believer's position in Christ. That's where you belong. Believer's position in Christ is the heavenly places. So as we've all been guilty of those negative things, the negative things you've said, and we've all got those things that we're trying to overcome, trying to not let those things pass from our lips, we're only trying to speak life. And as we walk through these things uh, in the next, uh, however the Lord allows, of, of a voice, of a voice, of a voice, and what a voice, and the importance of a voice, and the importance of a voice, uh, whether it to be in prophecy, whether it meant to be as yielded, or whether it meant to be as an agreement. Whether it to be prophecy or yielded or as agreement, you can have a voice. And if I were to stand here preaching and you know in your heart that it's not Sam Parker doing it, it's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you. And as you hear these words and you know it's not Sam Parker, because I'll tell you things that Sam Parker don't know. You've each one experienced this, yet you come apart a thing in yourself that will I say amen or not? My voice has to be opened up and to say, just like Rebecca, what's your choice? I agree. I agree. And that's you watering the word. I agree with it. And as you speak, every demon in hell hears you. It's also a form of victory. It's a form of a shout in the camp. It's a form of speaking life. And it's simply saying amen. 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 I believe that. I believe that. I might not be able to explain it, but I believe that. I might not be able to know that, but I believe that. How do you believe it? I can't. I just, I said I couldn't explain it. It's just something right here resonates and says, I believe it. But it's going to come out of your voice. Out of your voice. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll pause that thought and we'll jump right to Ezekiel 37 verse 1. <clears throat> and again, he's describing how God got him in the vision. We don't have time to jump in Ezekiel 1. We don't have time to jump in Ezekiel 10. But right now in verse chapter 37, he's describing how God put him into that vision. The hand of the Lord was upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me. I say it like this. Whose hand wrote the Ten Commandments? Whose hand 
Roll upon the wall. Is it Belshazzar? Is it Belshazzar's feast? What finger appeared and wrote many, many tickle of parchment? The Lord. Whose hand is upon you? Not just angels, but the Lord. The angel of the covenant. The lion of the tribe of Judah. So your husband... 2,800 years ago, is standing beside Ezekiel. And Ezekiel said, he put his hand upon me. John testifies the same thing. He said, I looked at him, I passed out. I was his dead. And the Lord Jesus put his hand upon me, and I was alive. Daniel would say it like this. I saw him, and I thought I would die. I just thought I would die. I was troubled in my head for, what, weeks after seeing him. But then he stretched his hand forth. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Okay, time for personal revelation uh, status check. Do you believe with all of your heart that the hand of the Lord is upon you? Not just your life. Not just your life. You can say, well, I can see God protecting me here. That was the hand of the Lord. I can see God protecting me. No, no, no. I don't just mean the circumstances of where you are right now. I mean right now, seated in here on a Wednesday night, slightly drizzling with some snow outside, is the hand of the Lord upon you. You know what that means? That means that you are anointed of the Lord. See, I just told you again what that Messiah meant. He was called the anointed one. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Christos, that, is, that, that Messiah, it was the anointing. I'm not trying to uh, water down or diminish what he is. I'm telling you, what he is is what you are. <clears throat> Spiritual amnesia wearing off any at all? The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down the midst of the valley, which was. And again, we got this in a Talisized Bible app. In your Bible, that word right after which is italicized. It is no star in his crown. It is no mark or excerpt in his resume. It is no uh, testament or testimony of his power if you tonight were still sitting here, a pile of bones. It is no testimony of amazing grace if you're still right now chained down in sin. If you're right now chained down in depression. and it's, That's no testimony of his strength. But you were that. But you ain't that no more. I ain't that no more. I was. I was. I was, but I ain't no more. It was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about and to behold. That word beholds means look at. Look at. Focus your eyes on. Get a good look. Examine. Look around. Well, Ram told us about the promises of God. He said, the way I am, the way I think, the way my mind works is, if someone's made me promises, for example, if you got a big general store, he'd say, he said, and someone come along and said, I bought everything in there and I've given it to you. He said, I want to go through every aisle, look on every shelf to see what all is mine. That's mine, that's mine, that's mine. Gets on a chair, that's mine, it's all mine. It's a promise given to him. And caused me to pass by them round about and behold, there were. 
There's no dispution of this. There's no argument of this. There's no, um, well, you know, they weren't really dry balls. They were kind of okay, and, and maybe they looked like they could get better. No, no, no. He's saying no argument, dry bones. No argument. Bleached out, done, no life. They were very many. He calls me to pass, them out, pass by them round right about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, though they were very dry. Anybody want to contest that statement? Anybody want to have an argument over what Ezekiel is seeing? See, I can tell you in my life, I've been that. I've been that. I've been that. I was that. You notice I'm using past tense verbiage. Past tense verbiage. Verse 3, chapter, yeah, verse 3. He said unto me, who said unto me? The The Spirit of the Lord. Says unto Ezekiel, why would he care what Ezekiel says? He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, he knows who he's talking to, thou knowest. That's a good, honest, reverent, respectful answer. In his own sense, in his own eyes, if you walked upon a corpse, if you walked upon a skeleton, not even corpse, but skeleton, and saw no sinew, no blood cell, no, no vein, no skin whatsoever, and you're looking at this skeleton, they'll tell how long it's been dead. And God says, can it live? I see no signs of life anywhere. I bet if I was to bring a good microscope along and look inside the bone, there'd be no more bone and marrow left in there. No marrow in the bone. So as far as all natural faculties, my eyes, <coughs> which is my see, my taste, my feel, my touch, my smell, none of those things are seeing any life. But thou knowest. Amen. Thou knowest. He said, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again, he said unto me, prophesy, you say, you say, Mark eleven twenty two. you say, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I quoted to you so many times, Brother Brown, making that statement in the church age book. She has the word. She knows what he wants done with it. He says many times that same book, says in that book, same, same church age book, he said she has his potentials. She has his potentials. I won't get to this excerpt out of his rising of the sun tonight, but he, he said the, the full maturity of the word is turned back again. The full maturity of the word is turned back again. Uh, that's heavy for a Wednesday night. The full maturity of the word. <sighs> Thus saith the Lord God. Verse 5, unto these bones, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will. I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. I will. And ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So, break that down. What's he going to do? He's going to put breath in them that they'll live. He's going to put sinews upon you. He's going to put flesh upon you. He's going to put skin upon you. Then he says it again, and put breath in you. 
put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. When? When all those things are done. So Ezekiel says, I prophesied as I was commanded. Is I was commanded. He didn't say suggested. He didn't say I imagined. Oh, is this my imagination? Is that you really speaking, Lord? I don't really, I want to know, Lord. Is that you, God? Is that really you? She knows his voice because his sheep know his voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. He said, I did as I was commanded. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. I love this. There was a noise. That's a way to describe it. Uh, seeing a pile of bones getting up, start coming together. That's one way to describe it. I heard a noise. And, and let me tell you about this noise. It, uh, behold a shaking. A shaking. And bone to his bone. Now, in that alone, you see the... Not one bone. See, you can almost take in... Um, uh, you like you take jigsaw puzzles. You take jigsaw puzzles. You put them in a box. You shake them all up. All these different things are going every which way, and you throw them out. And now you got to put them where they belong. You could have almost done that with these bones. They probably were not laid out like a nice skeleton. He said pile of bones. So if you're just chunking piles out there, that that bones over there, that bones over there, that bones over there. The Creator knows where every bone belongs, and the Creator is speaking through him, saying bone to his bone. Now watch as this promise comes to pass. So I prophesied as I, was, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Wait a minute now. Two times, two times it was prophesied that there'd be breath in them. Now, that breath is that Zoe life of God. That breath is the life of God. It was prophesied twice. It would be put my breath in them. Another time, I put my breath in them. Can we have any kind of comfort tonight in our scene that we've dramatized here that the breath will go into these bodies? Anybody? How do you know? Because he said it. Because he said it. And... His sheep know his voice. <clears throat> then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy. This is strange now. Prophesy unto the wind. To the wind. See, it's not just a uh, conversational piece when you jump back to Nicodemus' uh, uh, interview with Jesus Christ. Where did the wind come from? Where did that come from? Do you know where it came from? Do you know where it goes? And we, of course, would say, don't have no idea. Maybe out of the north, maybe curled out of the west, maybe come from the east and maybe from the south and, and went west and come north, maybe bounced east, cut back north, come back down. You have no idea. You can guess through wind patterns and things like that, but that's all it is is a guess. But he said, prophesy unto the wind, unto the wind, and prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. The four winds to be their very breath. <clears throat> so, I prophesied as he commanded me. He didn't walk around chewing on that statement. Should I say it? Shouldn't I say it? What if they don't 
if they take me wrong? What if they misunderstand me? What if they call me crazy? What if they, what if, no, 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 I went and did what he said. That's what he was so impressed with the spirit of Elijah. He spoke, Elijah carried it out. He said it, Elijah said it. Everything, there was not one thing. I think about in my life, God has spoken in my life before for things to say, and I've choked it back. And I'm like, I don't know that I should say that. I don't know that I should say that. I'm getting better. I thank God I'm getting better. But can you imagine a spirit that says, God just said this. He just said this. He just said this. And it don't take long seeing the fruit of it where you decide whether or not it was God or not. Because you look at that person, you're like, I know he don't know me. <clears throat> so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. So he just raised up a very great army. Now, you can find these same described in Joel 2, the army of the Lord. Very fierce army that says great is the army that carries out the word of God. And it started with one man carrying out the word of God. And it just carries on like a cascade, being an example. Being an example, being an example. This is what God said, this is what we'll do. This is what God said, this is what we do. Okay, I'll take that home with me. This is what God said, this is what we'll do. Okay, I'll take that to school with me. This is what God said. All lies are done away with, all delusions, anything that's contrary to the word. If you look outside today, if you watch the news, if you look on your phone, any bit of what they call social media or news of any kind is exact opposite of all that God is. Um, we're just reading in, I think it's in Malachi. Is it Malachi? It's in Malachi 3 that, or it talks about, he said, you have profaned me. And they said, he asked God, where did we profane you? He said, when you told the people that were guilty of sin and things they had done, that they were okay. That's where you profaned me. You said, it's not a problem. Malachi 3, I'm sure the exact verse, won't take long to find it. When you told them, what they were doing was okay. They agreed with it. You see, the, uh, Paul would say it this way, that he might send strong delusion that they would believe a lie. And you have all the nonsense in the news today. All that nonsense. And it's being supported and preached and taught and accepted as reality where there's not one stitch of reality in it. You whip out any, uh, any uh, um, uh, uh, microscope and start looking at cells. Real quick, you'll see what one is or not. There's no hiding that. There's no changing that. But a strong delusion. A strong delusion. <clears throat> Verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Say our bones are dried, our hope is lost. We're cut off for our parts. Not from, but we're cut off for our parts. Therefore, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out, come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now, many different types right here. You can look at that as the type of our resurrection, our rapture, the graves being opened, the dead coming forth, those that sleep will not hinder you ever understand 1 Thessalonians 4? Everybody remembers that scripture. We don't have time to jump there. But you also have the same type when the Lord Jesus, who is the resurrection of the dead, when he arose, the saints of old come up with him. They actually walked through the streets of Israel. 
in Jerusalem. And many people were saying, that looks an awful lot like Abraham and Sarah. Do you think they look like Abraham and Sarah? And I always think, how do you know what Abraham and Sarah looks like? Maybe it's one of those things I will know as I am known. See, I, I believe that too. I will know as I am known. <coughs> Prophesy. And you shall know, you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, then you will know that I am the Lord. When I've opened your graves. He stood there and he told Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And she said, yes, Lord, I believe he'll come up in the general resurrection. I believe that's all truth. He's like, just stick around just a minute. I'll prove to you real quick who I am. And you'll know right then and there. She should have turned and looked and said, you are the Lord God. Hands down, no dispute. Ezekiel told us about you. Ezekiel told us what you would do and right now. And you think about that many of the scribes and Pharisees who, and, and that supposedly knew the word, that supposedly knew the law, that supposedly knew these prophecies, looked at what Jesus did in, in, in his friend Lazarus, and then he said, you know what, I hate him so much that because this man's testimony was that I brought him back, we're going to kill him too. They were trying to kill Lazarus too because Jesus resurrected him. How would you feel about that? What would, you, what would your uh, opinion of that be if we were allowed to have opinions, which you're not allowed to have opinions? If you were allowed to have an opinion and someone told you that I think they're going to kill you just because the Lord Jesus resurrected you or changed your life or healed your body or little things like that, what would you say? Bring it. I ain't going back. I ain't going back to what I was. No chance. You, you, I don't fear someone that will take my life. I fear someone that take my life and destroy my soul. That's who I fear. That's who I fear. I got no fear for man. What can man do unto me? <clears throat> Verse 14. And shall put my spirit. He said, this is when you'll know that I brought you up out of your graves. And shall put my spirit in you. And you shall live. And I shall place you in your own land. Then, you shall, then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. That I, the Lord, have spoken it, that voice that called out and performed it, saith the Lord. That same voice said that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Let's stand on our feet. Have the musicians come. That he, the Lord, has spoken it. Now, I know this is very bouncing around. This is kind of... Uh, almost like a just 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 I can't think of words to describe as he's called you as he's called you as you've received a revelation as you've understood things that were too great for you as you've been able to grasp uh, things you know that don't come from this world the prophet would tell you that when you've heard this revelation when you've heard this message that you've heard from your theophany You've heard from your theophany. I'll say it like this. Who created your theophany? Who speaks? God. Whose voice would it be? God. So many times throughout, not just in the book of Revelation, but any other books, it says when he spoke, his voice sounded like the voice, the sound of many waters. That sound of many waters was showing you that, that God had representation there, God had representation there, God had representation there, and they were letting that voice speak through them. That voice that said, Lazarus, come forth. That voice that is in you that will call for the resurrection and the rapture of your life. That same voice that said, you're mine. 
That same voice, this voice that you're hearing in your What you playing? <clears throat> That'll do it. Lord, I seek you. Oh, help me. Spirit out on me, oh let it 
fall like rain Oh, saturate my thirsty soul Oh, come and fall afresh on me Oh, fill my cup again Oh, heal my heart and make me Spirit out on me. Oh, let it fall like rain. Oh, saturate my thirsty soul. Oh, come and fall afresh on me. Oh, fill my cup again. Oh, heal my heart. promises will become very visible. We are living in the day, each one of us here, 
many different scale of age from, from as early as eight months old all the way up to 70 years old, Lord God. But it, it doesn't matter because you're the God that fills all time and space. You don't age, you're not affected by time, and your promises are not affected by time. But what has happened is the consummation of the ages has brought us to this point. This is the day that John got to look at, that, that Daniel got to prophesy of. There's so much there that is sitting waiting for us to fulfill. In this day, your voice says, we are she. And all the promises of God for us are yea and amen. Lord, we believe them tonight. We accept them, we receive them, and we want to say, Lord, as your word continues to unfold and open our eyes, Lord, that, that, that our heart's only response is to say, amen. Amen, amen. Not one step back and kind of curl up a little bit or strain at or struggle, but scream out with all that's within us. Amen. Lord, I believe that this is what's coming to pass right now. Not just in this assembly, but all over this planet. You've got a bride that's coming forth that's telling her husband, I believe you. I believe your promise. I can see it working in my life. Great are you, Lord. What a mighty God you are. Here we stand tonight in a one-room schoolhouse, as it was. Each one of us, Lord, needing a closer walk with you. Several of us here need to surrender all that we are to you, Lord. we got a lot to make up for. we got a lot of catching up to do. Lord, that cry is in the room, Lord. That cry is in the building. Lord, don't let us get away from it. Don't let us shrug it off. Don't let us get distracted and think about something else, Lord. But let us right now surrender everything that we are to your divine will and your presence. Satan, I rebuke you. I curse you, Satan. I denounce you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You take your hands off of God's people. You foul demon of unbelief. Get thee behind me. You ain't going to twist no more words to us. We ain't going to take your line no more. We ain't going to take your bluff no more. You con man, we don't believe you. We're going to look you right in the face and say, you're a liar. My husband is true. And he says great things about me. He's made me promises that heaven and earth will pass away before that promise will give up. Lord, we love you tonight. We appreciate you so much. And we say yes, Lord. All that is within us, we say, yes, Lord, be it unto me. Be it unto me, Lord, every promise that you have for your people. We love you so much. Be with our brothers and sisters as we go our separate ways. Keep us. Draw us nearer. Help us to surrender more. In your beautiful and precious, lovely name. Your prayer. 
Jesus, you're the cup that wore and dry. So we sing your presence is heaven to me. Oh God, your presence.
cross, you're so easy to adore. Amen. Lord, I want to love. 